0: Welcome to the Spark Youth Podcast. Spark is the youth ministry of the Enfield and Strathfield Anglican Church. Our mission is to gather to hear God's word, to grow in likeness, and to go in prayerful proclamation. To find out more about us, you can go to our website at fields.org.au forward slash spark. Or you can find us on our Instagram page at instagram.com forward slash youth underscore of underscore spark. Okay. So how how would you, all your friends, describe the good life? Can I have like a hand up? The good life. What would they say? Good. The good life. You say, oh, what's the good life? Yeah. Being rich. Being rich, like. Not, um, not yet Macaulay Culkin who was on there before who's from like um, yeah from, from some of those shows when he was like super rich Yeah, being super rich oh yay Yeah, Richie Rich what else would they say? hello have you good social life good social life I'm sure one of those the slides on there is related to social life yeah look they're all hanging out with some robot that's kind of a similar idea um Maybe, maybe a loving family <laughs> amazing experiences like awesome water fives um, or, or, maybe um, maybe it's been really successful I don't even have thought about how, how good it would be to be really famous here's, here's a video of a whole bunch of celebrities and what it's like once you've achieved the good life of being rich and famous yeah When How I Met Your Mother first went on the air, I ran into an actress that I uh, knew and she said, are you just like so happy all the time? Why am I unhappy? Okay. Okay, Stephanie, Gaga, hybrid person. (laughs) Why are you unhappy? Why is it that you want to quit music? And I remember thinking like, oh, that sitcom's coming. Like that sitcom, it's coming, it's coming. And when I got it, I mean, I won't say it was, A depression but you kind of go through a disappointment because it can't that fame or that thing didn't satisfy the way you thought it was gonna satisfy I had bought into the not uncommon notion that when I taste success when I get over there then I'll be happy but the strangest thing happened as the show got more successful I got more depressed I thought it would be good to be rich and famous, it would be good to be the opposite of this, it would be good to have stuff, it would be good to have money, it would be good to be invited to the party. Well, I've been invited, I've been in, we're having this chat in a private Swish members club in East London, it's super cool, there's bare brick walls, everyone's double good looking. But I've been inside now, I've seen the other side of the looking glass, it don't feed your soul, I still feel empty inside. Media told me every day, and it's telling you every day what it is to be successful. So you've got MTV Cribs, you've got... Billionaires in front of your face. You have these these extrinsic external Goals that will say oh Tom Shadyak has arrived He has the right house the right car he flies privately and when I got there it was empty I was successful in the music business. I was successful in modeling in television in real estate so I made all this money and I had all this success and here I was going okay, I still don't feel any different. We are told that if we're beautiful, if we're skinny, if we're successful, famous, if we fit in, um, if everyone loves us, that we'll be happy. But that's not entirely true. I was surrounded by all this wealth and all this fame and all this power. And yet, they were all miserable. And I had never been more miserable. So there's all these people that have made it All the things that your, maybe your friends, maybe your parents, maybe, you know, people at your school, teachers are saying, achieve good grades, have a good life, so you can maybe be like these people. And they're all at the top and they're saying, empty. So, what is the answer to the good life that we all long for? Because there's something in us driving us to want a better life. Well, to answer this question, I think we need to go right back to God's original purpose for us. And the first question we need to ask is, how did God create the world? Firstly, oh, sorry, should. Is that still going? No, it's gone. Um, Firstly, God created His word, the world by His word out of nothing. He created by His word out of nothing. Genesis one one. It doesn't say in the beginning there were many gods. It says in the beginning God. There's only one God, and He has no rivals. It's not like He's the biggest kid in the playground. He's the only kid in the playground, and He made the playground. And guess what? Um, yeah, it says in verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God is not a magician pulling a rabbit out of a hat. He generally brought everything into the existence by the power of His Word. We can only create using things that, that exist. We're not like God. Hand up if you love art or pottery. Yeah, yeah. What do you use to make your art or your pottery? Or whatever? Clay. Clay. Brushes and stuff like that, right? Stuff that already exists, but we've never created anything out of nothing, right? Now I remember when I was younger, I, I tricked my brother because my brother was on the other side of this couch. He didn't know I was on the other side, so I got a sock and I threw it over, and then I kind of went away and came back a little while later. And he's like, "I was like, how are you going?" He's like, "The sock came out of nowhere, like, really? Is it a ghost, maybe?" He's like, house was haunted and for years i kind of convinced him that this house was haunted because the sock came over but i threw the sock right because that sock didn't come from nowhere it came from my hand that I, and I threw it but god doesn't need a hand he doesn't need anything he just made it out of nothing and some people talk about natural selection everything came from natural selection but the thing with natural selection is it, it preserves a species that already exists it doesn't explain where life came from in the beginning. Natural selection doesn't do that. God created the world by His Word out of nothing. Secondarily, He created an orderly world. When the earth was first created, verse 2 says it was formless and empty. What, but what does God do? He brings order out of chaos. And interestingly, we see order in the pattern of the days. In each day of creation, ready? First of all, we see God speaks by His powerful Word and creates instantly. Verse three: Let there be light, and there was light. So he creates instantly. He assigns a purpose. For example, land and vegetation, land for vegetation. Verse twelve: Light to mark the times in the sky. There's a purpose. There's a purpose for you too. He gives a, the thing a name. In verse ten, he calls the dry land, the dry ground, land, and he calls the water seas. So he assigns a purpose and a name, and he observes everything that he created was good. And then there's evening and morning the next day. Very orderly and, pattern, and big pattern. The universe wasn't created by chance but, but by a purpose. The theory of evolution says everything was created by chance. That you are an accident. There's no purpose or meaning to your life. One popular atheist said, the universe we observe has exactly what we would expect if there is no, at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing of blind, pitiless indifference. Not only does chance provide no explanation for the universe, but it contradicts the fact that you live for a purpose. You got up this morning, some purpose was driving you to actually get here where you are today. Right? Every individual person passes out of existence. If they all pass out of existence when they die, then what meaning is there to your life? Does it really matter if you existed at all? Think of all the contributions of all the most amazing scientists, to, for all the efforts to, to alleviate peace and suffering, to work to work towards peace, to help your family and your friends, to, the hours you spend at school, all of that would come to absolutely nothing and would be meaningless if there's no God. Some people try and get out of it by saying, "I make meaning for myself." But when people say that, they're really saying, "I know there's no no meaning, but I'm going to pretend there's a meaning." That's really what they're saying when I say, "I make meaning for myself." It's a plain pretend. We live knowing our lives have meaning whether or not we acknowledge that fact. We live as if there's a God who gives meaning and purpose to our lives. Because the world wasn't created by chance, God created the the world with a plan and He gave meaning and purpose to us to live the way we were meant to live. Which brings me to my second point. How does God expect us to live in the world? Chapter 1 and 2, um, we see that there is a shape to how God created the world. Here's the shape, ready? God's people... In God's place, under God's rule. Maybe that's on the next slide. Yeah, okay. God's people, God's place, under God's rule. Okay, so think about God's people. Chapter 126. Mankind was made differently to everything else in creation. We're made male and female in God's image. God said, let's us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea... The birds of the sky, livestock animals over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God made mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created the male and female he created them. Which means, you're made in his image, you're made to rule over the world. Just like God rules over the world and reflect how good and loving he is. Who do you think God's people were in the beginning? Well, you see it's Adam and Eve. God's people were Adam and Eve. Chapter 2, verse 7, it says, The Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Adam was created from dust. This means he's created out of the same elements that everything else is created out of. But he's a special creation. God created him out of the dust. He's not the result of an evolutionary process. He's not just an evolved ape. He's a special, unique creation. Unlike monkeys, we are created in the image of God. And this is so important because what we see in the next chapter is sin and death came into the world through Adam's sin. Otherwise, you're saying sin and death must have been there from the beginning. They're just an evolutionary product, which means God must be responsible for sin and death. But no, they came about through a unique human who sins. So God's people created in God's image to rule, which brings me to the second part of God's kingdom, God's place. God's place. In chapter 2, Moses writes, Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. Adam and Eve eventually are placed in the Garden of Eden, which is a special garden somewhere on the earth. And the rivers flowed into it, because, and then out of it, because it was meant to be a blessing to the world. That's why the rivers flow out of Eden, to be a blessing to the world. It's the place where they can enjoy full relationship with God. Eden means paradise." Imagine a sunlit garden full of all sorts of beautiful trees who never lose their colours and whose fruit is always ripe. Now imagine the trickle of a blue stream that weaves its way through the garden, full of the most colourful fish you've ever seen. And as you follow these streams, you find rocks full of the most precious stones, including gold. All your desires and needs are to fully satisfied. You never feel hungry, anxious, tired, depressed. You never cheated on, you never lied to, you're never forgotten. You're never demeaned. This is what the Garden of Eden was like. Because we see in chapter 3, verse 8, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He was walking with them. Adam and Eve got to enjoy unending relationship with a God who loved them. If ever there was a picture of the good life, this is the picture of the good life. And think of how beautiful a place that would have been to live. God's people, Adam and Eve, in God's place... Living in beautiful paradise with their Creator. And most importantly, they were under God's rule. And therefore, they experienced God's blessing. And God, so, God spoke and they obeyed. God placed a tree in the, the garden, the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It represents the forbidden knowledge, which is you being able to choose what's right and wrong for yourself. Adam was to submit to God by not eating the tree. And if he didn't eat it, he would have received access to the tree of life forever, which means eternal life. But if he obeyed, he would lose blessing, he would lose the peace and rest that he had. And so God creates to live in God's place, as God's people, in his place under God's rule. And we see this pattern is throughout the whole rest of the Bible. You can find this pattern. However, in chapter 3 we see we reject God's rule. The kingdom pattern is broken and so God's people no longer enjoy God and they no longer enjoy His rest. And um, So what we're going to see is, though it gets broken and we reject God's rule and no longer have His blessing, we'll see later God sends Jesus to restore that rest. As Matthew 11 says, And Jesus says, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Through faith in Jesus, we end up receiving the rest that that was promised and that was experienced by Adam and Eve in the beginning. So why do people struggle to find the good life? It's because we've fallen out of relationship with God. And so what we desperately need to hear is we need to hear God's Word through Jesus because He promises us the rest that we've lost in the garden. And that's, that's part of this, there's a big picture that we're going to work out how God weaves a plan to bring us back into that rest. Let me let me close by praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you that um, though um, you create everything good and though we experienced um, an unending peaceful relationship with you, we rejected you. And we, we no longer got to experience the peace and the rest that you had promised and you had given us. And we thank you that Jesus restores that rest. And so I pray as we look at your Big picture, your plan and how you work everything out for your son. We pray that you'd help us to, to see ourselves as part of that greater story and, and continue to find our rest in Jesus. In Jesus' name, Amen.